0: whole life is a multi-dimensional asset. Your dollar is working in more than one place. You put one dollar into whole life and it's protecting your family. It's growing at a guaranteed rate of return. It's accessible to be leveraged. There's so many components of it that make it a very cool addition to someone's financial economy.
1: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co hosts, Liz and Andressa. If you are looking to scale your portfolio, you cannot miss today's episode. We sit down with Katie Bargetto, who went from being against investing to acquiring 32 units in her first year. So in this episode, we share the details of the strategy that Katie used, which was overfunded whole life insurance. This is a must listen if you want to get another tool in your toolkit when it comes to creative financing. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs
1: shouldn't get in
0: the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
1: Welcome back, everyone. This is Liz. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her show. So excited to have Katie Bargetto on our show today. Katie, thanks so much for being here. Excited to jump in. Same. Thanks for having me, Liz. So your journey from initially being against real estate investing <laughs> to actually scaling from one rental to 32 rentals in just one year is really remarkable. So take us back to the pivotal moment or realization you had that shifted your perspective and set you on this like rapid path to success in real estate.
0: Gosh, yeah, it was so that was a crazy, a crazy year, super fun year, but I think what really sort of escalated us and scaled us was we got really clear about our goals, what we wanted. My husband and I got really aligned as a couple. we found tools that helped us really maximize our dollars and how they were working and building out kind of our own financial foundation. Is what allowed us to just really propel forward. So, we actually bought our first rental in 2015. And then it wasn't until between 2018 and 2019 that we scaled up. You know, we started the year of 2018 with one unit, we ended 2019 with 32 units. And it's because we took that time between 2015 and 2018 to kind of build out this financial foundation you know, and it, it felt kind of slow during those years. Like we like real estate. Why aren't we moving faster? But in hindsight, it was the best thing we did because it allowed us to then go so fast.
1: I love that. So I want to get into the creative financing tool that you used because I do think it's so under the radar and not enough people are are using that particular tool. Because the name of the game right now is multiple tools in our toolkit to be successful uh, in investing. Before we get there, I want to just jump into what you just said about the 2015 to 2018. I think so often we see people scaling and we literally think it's immediate, right? Like literally, you know, I begin investing on day one, or think about it. And then like literally the next day I have 50 units, right? Um, We all know that that's not necessarily the case. There was like a foundation built. And I I love that you said that. So what did you do specifically from that 2015 to 2018, although you felt like it was a little slow, what did you do to build your financial foundation? What specifically did you and your husband do?
0: Yeah. So let me talk holistically and then I'll talk tactically. So holistically, the biggest thing was just... Getting clear on our vision. You know, what did we want life to look like in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Were we aligned as a couple? And we weren't. As you mentioned, Liz, I was actually against real estate. I was very conservative you know, I want to max out a 401k and I'll retire and do all the things that, you know, we're taught to do. Um, (laughs) They tell you to do, all the things they tell you to do, right? Um, So it was lots of conversations with my husband and I, Mike, he was, you know, definitely strategically more advanced than me at the time. Um, So it just... You know, I think taking the time to really get aligned and, and create a vision for our family. So holistically, that's what happened. And then tactically finding the tools that allowed us to do that. And so the biggest one for us was utilizing overfunded whole life insurance. So overfunded whole life insurance is the permanent life insurance product, which means the death benefit pays out whenever you pass away, whether it's tomorrow or age 120. Um But you have these living benefits as well, and the living benefits is essentially a place to store your capital, see your capital grow, have guarantees, and then also be able to leverage that capital to go out and deploy into assets. And so for us, what we realized is, you know, we had money sitting in a lot of different places. We had 401ks and IRAs and pensions and savings accounts. And we thought that was the right thing to do by having kind of money spread out everywhere but what we realized is that that wouldn't allow us to really accelerate this process of cash flow, you know, going from accumulation mindset to a cash flow mindset with real estate. And so being able to consolidate some of those, put it into a vehicle that was really solid, really stable, just a, a foundational asset that we would have in our lives, and then be able to tap that like a personal line of credit to go put into real estate was tactically how we kind of moved the needle so fast
1: i love that and so okay so walk me through a little bit about you know overfunded whole life insurance um i i know that obviously i've I've heard of it i don't necessarily use it as a strategy myself it's not how my husband and i grew our portfolio but you know just because we don't know something doesn't mean it's not an effective tool, right? It's so often that we, so many people poo-poo different things out there or creative financing strategies because they just haven't done it before. So I'd love to dive in. What is it? Um, and just the, you know, the A to Z. So everyone listening again, this could be a creative financing strategy. Um, you know as you're as you're growing your portfolio in today's market, because now more than ever, as there's more there's more distressed properties coming on on you know we're seeing that increase right now, interest rates are kind of leveling out, although who knows, even if people are talking about a looming recession, whether there is one, we're in one, we're going to be in one, regardless, opportunities will be around you, and deploying creative financing strategies always will be the name of the game in this business in my in my personal opinion, so let's dive in. Talk to us as though I know nothing about it. What is it and how do we use it? What are the benefits? All that good stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, so it's, uh, so like I mentioned, it's it's first off a permanent life insurance product. So that means the death benefit pays out. Most of us are, when we think of life insurance, we're familiar with term insurance, which, you know, you pay an annual premium for 10, 20 years and at the end it expires. And it's purely, you know, for the protection piece with permanent insurance specifically whole life it it has a cash value component and so you can structure it in a way where majority of your premiums what you're funding into it every year are increasing this cash value account and this cash value account has built-in guarantees it grows at 4 to 5% so nothing crazy it's not an investment it's an asset um, it has the you know the guarantee component so you're not in the volatility of the stock market, hoping you don't lose it all. And then you can leverage that cash value. And so the way you leverage it is not actually taking money out of the account, but using your cash value as collateral and borrowing from the insurance company. And what that allows you to do is keep your cash value compounding without any interruption. And over a lifetime, I mean, that compound growth is You know, uninterrupted compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. (laughs) And you really see that come to life (laughs) in these types of policies. Um, But you have that collateral and then you can leverage it. So then you're borrowing the life insurance company's money to then go deploy into assets, investments, um, really whatever you want, because there's no underwriting. um, Because your cash value is collateral. And if you were to pass away without paying those loans back, they're just deducted from your death benefit. So it's a really beautiful personal line of credit. It's an unstructured loan. So again, there's no underwriting. there's no payback schedule. Um, so you're paying it back at your at your own rate. And that you know the beauty there for real estate investors is it works with any type of real estate. You know we went through a season where we did a lot of flips. So you could pull out a huge chunk of money, flip a project, and you know pay the loan off in six months. or maybe you do buy and holds. so you take you take loans and then you chip away at paying those loans over a period of years. It's essentially in your hands. And so why this this creative financing strategy works so well with real estate investors is because as real estate investors, we need liquidity for two reasons. We need liquidity for emergencies with our real estate. Anyone who owns real estate knows that things will go wrong <laughs> and for opportunities. And they do. And they do. I have tons of stories that you know, I have a A single family house last year, single family in the Midwest. My make ready, um, the rehab when a tenant uh, moved out was twenty thousand dollars. It was just like, and you need liquidity, obviously. Like, I hadn't connected collected enough cash flow in that property to fund twenty thousand dollars. You know, so we also had a period during COVID where we had multiple tenants stop paying, stop paying rent. But of course, we're still on the hook with the mortgage. So, you know, things things will go wrong. And what we see a lot in our industry is we see a lot of people, a lot of real estate investors wanting to deploy every single dollar. And it's just risky because then you have, you have no foundation. So, of course, you know, you want this liquidity pool for the emergencies and you want the liquidity pool for the opportunities because we never know when that amazing opportunity is going to come up. And we have lots of stories around, you know, being ready to partake in those as well.
1: Let's walk through what you specifically did. So you had your first rental. Tell me what your first rental was. First rental was a single family house in Charleston, South Carolina.
0: And we are in, at the time we were in California. So opposite ends of the coast. (laughs) That was our very first rental. And it was a long-term rental? It was a long-term rental. And we we self-managed that. So, we did not have a property manager, and that was really hard <laughs> we uh We had a lot of lessons learned, one of them being we actually really like having property managers, so now most of our units are property managed, but we started with self managing um and yeah, and just hold on to that for a couple of years
1: I love that and if i if I can just make a quick mention inago is is a company we, we do business with, and they have such a fantastic and simple streamlined property management software that I wish, and I'm sure you wish too, Katie, <laughs> when you're self-managing, you seriously need an all-in-one software. What I love about it is it's free um, and it, go, it it does everything from streamlining your online rental applications to screening tenants. It's like all-in-one, very robust, very simple free, <laughs> I should mention. Yeah. Um, and they've literally helped like 70,000 property managers, um, sorry, property owners like us, landlords, really streamline. So I just mentioned that because I think about when we self-managed, we self-managed over 100 units as well uh, at the time. And we kind of used, we dabbled with different softwares but I wish I had Inago's software, to be honest, um, especially now because it saves time. So we'll put it in the show notes. We have like a, um, a link, uh, to just kind of, you know, get familiar with Inago. They're doing such great work with their software. Um, check them out. You should be using it if you're self-managing and really, uh, optimizing property management. But I digress. I had to jump in and say that because I just, the more apps we are, if, if people are self-managing, and scaling, you need to have apps and softwares that are all in one encompassing. And that quite honestly, Save you time, not increase your time. So I just want to mention that because I'm passionate about it, especially from self managing. Agree, I would have been amazing. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so let's go back to that first deal. So you got your single family. So it's a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so walk me through how you're like. We should be using overfunded whole life insurance, our whole life insurance policy to scale. Like, help me understand <laughs> that. I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny, but walk me through that, right? No, because. I don't know. A-, a lot of people scaling aren't thinking that right to to get their next deal. Totally, and it's either people haven't heard about it, or maybe they've
0: just heard bad things about it. You know, that's it's so interesting. You know, whole life insurance is a tool that's been around for nearly two hundred years essentially you. Used- that's
1: crazy. Yeah. <laughs> when I was looking at preparing for this, I'm like 200 years. That's a long time to be around for a lot of people not to be familiar with it.
0: Yeah. Right. And for a long time, I mean, it really was a tool used by kind of the wealthy families, the Rockefellers use it. Um, and I think a lot of people just thought it was just a tool for the wealthy. And now people are realizing that it is accessible to literally anyone, you know, without a major health condition, um, you can qualify for it. Um, yeah, so we found out about it. It was really, really random, kind of through a friend who introduced us to someone who was part of kind of a real estate mastermind group. And they were big into kind of combining this idea of using whole life insurance with real estate investing. And so I remember my husband, Mike, talked to talked to his friend and told him about it. And at first, I remember Mike came home and was like, oh, you know, I found out more about it. It's a life insurance thing. So it's probably not for us. And we just like put it to bed. (laughs) Luckily, this friend of Mike's was like, man, you really got to just look into it a little bit more. It's not what you think. And so, you know, Mike, fortunately being open-minded, you know, looked into it and we learned about it and just how powerful it was in having this essentially supercharged savings account with a personal line of credit. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, you know, we we came across it very randomly, uh, but it allowed us to kind of shift our mindset into thinking about this idea of a financial foundation, kind of consolidating buckets of money to deploy more efficiently having our dollars work in more than one place, you know, both in whole life and then in our real estate as we're leveraging it. Um, and so it was really the mindset shift that allowed us to kind of really
1: scale. I love what you just said. You said it's a supercharged savings account with a personal line of credit. I love that. Like, I, I and I think when you put it in that terminology, real estate investors get it. Because quite honestly, what are you... If you are deploying your own cash, where are you getting it? You're getting it from your savings account. You're getting it from different, you know, whether you sold a property or, you know, you've you've saved up the money, right, to do do that first deal or that second deal, third deal. But where is it housed? Like, where is that money sitting right now? You know, and I think that's such a very powerful way to say it. So if you're not using that in your marketing materials, you should be using that. Um, But I I think that's a really simple way to say it. So so when you so you have your first deal, you have your first property. Did you already have the, the the whole life set up or at that point, did you set it up? and start to consolidate all these multiple accounts. Yeah.
0: So in 2015, with our first property, we did did not have it. We hadn't heard about it. I had actually been building a savings account. Um, I wanted to buy my next car in cash, which now I'm a proponent of financing. (laughs) Finance it all. (laughs) Um, But before, you know, when I was anti-real estate, max out my 401k, pay cash for my car. Uh, So I had built a pretty big savings account. And Mike is the one who convinced me like, okay, you could buy the forerunner that you want, or we could buy a piece of real estate and it could produce cash flow for the rest of our lives and You know he kind of mapped out the equation, the financial equation, and I got on board and so that's actually what we used to buy the the charleston house um and then it was in twenty eighteen when we found out about whole life, got that set up, you know, created this supercharged savings account, personal line of credit. Um, And then really started tapping that for uh, down payments on the single family houses we were buying.
1: And then, so what I want to know is how much money specifically did you have, if you don't mind sharing, did you have in that uh, uh, supercharged savings account, which I love now, I'm going to be calling it that, um, to deploy into the next few properties? So Before you answer that, I want to hear the answer because I think that's very specific, actionable for our listeners. Before we get into that, I just want to take a moment so we can get a word from our sponsors. All right, Katie. So talk to me. Talk to me about numbers. Cause you know, these are real estate investors. So you got your first deal. You have your supercharged, um, savings account set up with whole life. How much money then? What was your next move? Was it one deal? Was it multiple deals? And how much money did you pull from? It's not pulling. You're pulling it, but it's, it's, leveraging. you're going to be replenishing it is yeah. what I'm leveraging it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which I, I, I hear. How much money were you able to, to pull? into one or multiple deals for your next your next kind of big move.
0: So the, the way whole whole life works is you essentially can access roughly 90 to 95% of what's in your cash value account. So that's what you can access. For us, we didn't want to pull that much money because we wanted to have this liquidity pool, you know, this was our emergency fund. Again, like we didn't want every single dollar deployed because then when emergencies happen or opportunities happen, you, ha- you have no liquidity and liquidity is so powerful. So what we did was we figured out what we wanted that sort of threshold to be of, OK, this is money we don't touch unless the world's on fire, you know. What percent did you go with? Well, it varies with our. We we kind of do a percentage of our net worth is how we decide how much we want to keep in this liquidity pool. And so, for buying the single family houses, we still use bank financing, but we pulled the down payments. So we, you know, we were buying in the Midwest, and so at that time they were, you know, hundred thousand dollars. We were pulling twenty five thousand for a property for that down payment, um, you know. And so we did a couple of those. We had a little bit of cash that we didn't have in our whole life policy. We deployed that first. Um, And so that's kind of how we started. And then, of course, as we scaled, we used more than whole life. You know, we started using other people's money, you know, all of those things. Um, But having that whole life liquidity pool is what kind of allowed us to always be able to partake in opportunities and, you know, afford the big emergency expenses when they came up.
1: If I was to play devil's advocate and say, okay, I get that. Instead of having to put it into, you know, uh, you know, a policy, because there's certain things you can and can't do, right? With that, with anything. Instead of doing that, why wouldn't I just keep it in my savings account? And and that way, it is my own line of credit. It's my savings account. I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to be beholden to, to, to any sort of rules. What have I said that? I'm sure you've gotten that. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what, what would you say to that, especially in today's, today's economy?
0: Yeah. The, well, the biggest difference is that when you then use money from your savings account, say it is even a high yield savings account, when you use that money, then you're only getting interest on what's left. Whereas in a whole life policy, you're never actually debiting your own funds. You of course can withdraw later in retirement years if you want. That's a whole nother topic. But when you're leveraging the policy, you're not taking any money out. And so what you have is uninterrupted compounding. And that mathematical equation is so powerful. And so every year you're building on what you've put in, regardless of what you're leveraging. And so that, you know, that's one of the main differences. But on top of that, it's whole life is a multi dimensional asset you know it's not it's not a tool you get for the rate of return it's a tool you get have this foundational asset, you know a permanent death benefit there's so much you can do with a permanent death benefit, you have the protection piece of it, you have the the line of credit, you have these guarantees in place, and so it's so much more than just a savings account or whole life,
1: yeah, but the tool has multiple. Uh, multiple kind of uh, results, if you will. So I love that. Yeah, and your dollar is working in more than
0: one place. You know, you put $1 into whole life and it's protecting your family. It's growing at a guaranteed rate of return. It's accessible to be leveraged. You know, there's so many components of it that make it a very cool addition to someone's financial economy.
1: I love that. Um, so what are the, are there any disadvantages? Are there any things that, you know, folks listening are like, All right, this is a no-brainer. Even just what you described on the leveraging, right? Versus if I was to use my savings account versus this, and there's a lot more to it, right? A lot more benefits that you're explaining. Um, That in and of itself makes financial sense, right, to someone who's who's listening. Like, okay, that's a no-brainer. But tell me about the disadvantages. What are the disadvantages that you know listeners need to be aware of? Uh, The drawbacks, disadvantages, or just you know, blind spots that can happen with with this particular strategy. Cause like anything, right? We we have to be mindful of, of the pros and the cons so we can make, you know, the right decisions for our family and where we want to be, you know, financially. 100 percent
0: Yeah. When we think when we think of leveraging, the thing to remember with whole life is you do have an interest rate. So you are taking a loan out. A lot of people think or they've been mistold that you're, you're leveraging your own money and that's not actually true. So when you pay interest back, it's not going back into the policy. You're actually paying interest back to the life insurance company because you've been using their money. And so I think just ensuring that you understand there is a loan rate involved um, when you leverage it. And then, you know, I think this tool is not for someone who doesn't have good financial intelligence or discipline, you know, because it's very easy to put money into a policy and then leverage against it, take this big loan and then not have a payback plan. And then you're, you know, and then you've essentially diminished your liquidity pool. And so for folks who have like a lot of credit card debt, like we typically won't work with them um, because it's not, they don't have the financial discipline that you need. Because, it, you know, it's a tool. A tool is a tool. You know, if you use a hammer wrong, you're going to get really hurt. If you use a whole life policy wrong, you can get hurt. And so having the discipline to create your own plan of, okay, I'm going to leverage it for this purpose. And this is how I want to pay it back to rebuild that pool. Um, this is how I'm going to save for premiums. Um, you know, you want to have all of that savviness. And if you don't, then it, it could not work for you.
1: I love that. What you're saying about financial discipline. Uh, That's so key because if you don't have that, no, even if you raise money, you partner with people, you get a private lender. I don't care what subject to whatever the creative financing strategy you do. um, The financial discipline is, is, is number one. So I just want to mention that because I just can't, I can't stress that enough in the 17 years I've been investing. Um, I wish I had more of that when we started, you
0: know? And all of those, you know, and whole life is just another tool, like everything you mentioned. And they all can work similarly, but you have to utilize them
1: correctly. When you talk about, um, I, I think that's great. I appreciate you sharing that, the payback plan. So I'm curious about your your growth, right? you had said, you know, one to 32 units, I'm sorry, uh, uh, homes, if you will, properties, you leverage different strategies, but- But that kind of the whole, you know, whole life insurance was one of the key tools that you used to propel you. So I'm curious, though, about did you get into certain deals that you were very clear on how you're going to pay back? Meaning, you know, if you get into a a, a property that um, there's maybe not as much value add, you may not be able to refinance, um, that might be harder to pay back, right? I mean, I know that because I bought a rental with a line of credit early on, me and my husband, and we didn't have a great payback plan. Now, we didn't lose the money. We sold the building eventually, but it took a while. It took a lot longer than I had anticipated early on because we didn't buy low enough and and, and really bake in the fi- refinance and really be strategic with that. So was the property choices you made in terms of the, in the scale that you had very focused on how you were going to pay it back and it was more of a value add type of properties i'm just curious about your real estate investing strategy using this tool
0: yeah so that was most of most of our investing was really buying for cash flow so making sure the numbers worked with cash flow so that we could pay it back and so to buy with cash flow yeah typically they all were value add we did rehabs you know and you get better and better right your crews get better you get better at how to communicate what what you can do and can't do um but we did the same thing you know we bought a lot in the midwest that was kind of our bread and butter for a long time was just kind of midwest real estate and the cash flow was there we were able to you know refinance them and you know pull some money out as well which was great but the the cash flow wasn't it was never as good as it was on paper and so we actually ended up selling a couple of those homes because they just weren't producing the cash flow that we wanted, and so we we sold some of those. We repositioned some of that capital into um, syndication deals, just as LP limited partners, um, because we kind of liked that cash flow consistency a little bit more. So it's the same thing, and you know, I think it's okay to kind of change your real estate strategy, uh, you know, and dabble in different things to find out what really works for you, for your finances, for your payback
1: plans, you know, all of that. And especially right now, I mean, I think. Cash flow is always the name of the game that so many people want to invest in real estate. Some people are doing it reti- for retirement where they're just, you know, they're, they're not as attached to the, to the, to the, not that they want to lose money, but they don't necessarily need, need or want the cash flow right now. Other people are trying to replace their income because they want to leave their job. They really want to transition. So that cash flow is, is key, right? Is, is critical. Have you found that using this tool now, especially with interest rates being higher, um, A lot of people are complaining about deals penciling out, especially on like the single family, the small multis, even large multi. Um, So I'm curious what what you're like, how you're seeing this tool be used now, especially when people are complaining and and frustrated with not being able to do as many deals as they want because of the lack of cash flow, the lack of return they're going to see. I'm just curious to get your insight into that.
0: Yeah, we actually did a very cool pivot. So we're in the same boat. We're not actually acquiring anything at the moment. There's things aren't penciling out for us. We're focused on kind of building our other business. Um, so we're not acquiring right now either. However, we are still leveraging the heck out of our whole life policy, um, through hard money lending. You know, my husband has started dabbling in hard money lending and he's turned it into this full, full fledged business and, that's what we're using our policy for. And so it's just such a cool, like, wow, you talk about multi-dimensional tool. It's like, okay, we're pausing on real estate acquisitions right now. We're using it for this whole other new cool revenue stream. Uh, So that's been a very cool pivot we've personally taken because we're in the same boat as just not acquiring right now. And for your listeners, Liz, I mean, I think I think that's okay too to not acquire. I mean, if you're if you're new to the real estate game, I think this is the time to build out that financial foundation. You know, get save your money, get your budget in check, you know, listen to podcasts, learn, analyze deals. You know, this is the time for that so that if rates come down, if the market shifts, you can then accelerate. So I think this is a really cool time for newbies even if you're maybe not buying a lot right now. And then for, you know, vetted real estate investors, this is a good time to to maybe pivot and try something else, you know, like we did with just kind of pivoting into a hard money lending type of deal.
1: I love that. I love that. We also we have a, a HELOC on our house and we are we decided to not use that money for our own deals. We decided to lend that out to someone else. You know, we're we're getting 12% of return now at the time it cost us 3% which was lovely that has increased to 6% but even at that right we're still we're still netting a 6% uh difference i think the name of the game right now and i'll just say we did the same exact thing as well last year we started a fund uh we work with investors all over they're working with us and we're we're also doing a similar type of thing let lending that out so whether you want to do hard money lending and you have so much to deploy, or you literally can lend to one person. I would highly recommend being mindful. Here is a tip: be mindful of what's happening in the economy, what's happening in the real estate market, and the access to money. Because you know, for many people, they need quick; a- they still need quick access to money, and they still need cheaper money from what they're getting because of interest rates being higher. So, um, I-, I love that. I want to just give a quick shout out to Lend to Live. Is a great book for, by published by Bigger Pockets. Uh, two women wrote it, and it's all about how individuals can set themselves up for success for being private lenders. Uh, I recommend that a lot for people who are like you know they may not have a half a million to to lend, they may have a certain amount, especially through their you know whole life or what have you, but they want to set themselves up for success because it is something you need to do, and there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle but it's not rocket science. So I, I recommend that as a, as a tip. Um, but I love that you're doing the same thing, Katie. And, um, so I think that's the name of the game is how you can still thrive without being as active. If, if deals are not penciling out, uh, because you could have a mix and be making, I mean, I'm making a return of 6%, you know, is it like 20%? No, but is it still making me money with uh, an asset that I have? Yeah. And I, I'll continue to do that until the time is right for me to deploy that into something that's our deal. So I love that, Katie. Um, Where can everyone listening learn more about you and and connect with you further?
0: You know, I'd love to chat with anyone. Send me an email, Katie, at axiomwealthsolutions.com. Then we have a YouTube channel, axiom underscore wealth. So, you know, we share some of these concepts and our own journey of, you know, how we've gotten to where we are on that YouTube channel. Um, Yeah, we'd love to... Chat with anyone. You know, we're uh, our mission is to help people build that financial foundation because once you have a strong financial foundation, it just opens up endless possibilities for your family and the ability to live a really intentional life. And so that's what really drives us is being able to help people with that.
1: I love that. And Katie, Katie and her husband uh, were at InvestorCon. Uh, twenty twenty three last year, they're going to be at tw- our, our conference this year with a three month old. We're bringing our our three month old to the
0: hey. year's conference,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's all good. And that is all good. But I, what I love about Katie and all the interactions I've had with her and her husband, and the support they've given to our community, is that she just leads by education she's, she's done this, you know, so she, what I love about what you guys do is you built a company around a strategy that you've employed yourself and you're kind of one of us, if you will. So I just love what you stand for. Um, love this concept. I, I personally want to get more information myself um, because you're making me think about my supercharged savings account. I'm like, oh man, I'm not making enough there. But anyway, um, so Katie, I have a few questions, our fabulous three questions I want to uh, transition to here. What is the most transformational book you have ever read?
0: Oh, man. I mean, I'll, I'll have to say that, you know, the the cliche, rich dad, poor dad. I mean, I, I know everyone says it, but it, man, if you haven't read it, it does just get your mindset shifted. Um The second one is a book called Killing Sacred Cows by Garrett Gunderson. So it's nine financial I've myths. Yeah. And it's amazing because mm. it's these nine myths that we all grew up thinking are what you need to do. And he sort of debunks them and and tells you why. So
1: killing sacred cows is a key one. Put that on my list. So what is the most powerful routine you do to live a financially free and balanced life? Whatever balance means to you. Easy. Uh,
0: Annual strategic planning as a family. So something my husband and I started a couple years ago, you know, me coming from the corporate world of a W-2 job, every company does annual strategic planning, right? It's just what you do. But who does it for their own family or their own life? Very few people. And so we implemented that. So every year, my husband and I go go away somewhere. This year, we went to Sedona, or last year, we went to Sedona, and we just hash out, you know, what do we want life to look like in five years, in 10 years? What are our goals for next year? Um... What what's our financial picture. So, and if your kids are old enough, bring your kids along. You know, our oldest is four, so he's not quite ready, but eventually like they'll be part of
1: this annual strategic planning. And so game changer. I love that. It, it just side note, this is the first year I have a six and a 10 year old. I felt like we could do vision boards together. So we did vision boards together and and that was so cool to do because we're just, you know, my, my kids are funny with the things they're putting on their vision boards, but that's okay. It's a start and it, it gets them thinking it's, it's laying the, the, um, breadcrumbs when they are ready to do this on their own. So I love that you do that as a, as a, and you'll, you know, bring them into the loop. I love that you're bringing your three month old to invest for a con. <laughs> um, and then the last question, which women famous or not has inspired you the most? So I'd say all the women who are going
0: against the grain and kind of just breaking out and doing something different, you know, Amelia Earhart, you know, female astronauts, just those women who are just breaking the barriers are always kind of those that really inspire me. There's there's so many to name.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, you you, you know, you know the story of Amelia Earhart, and then you like kind of revisit it and re reread it, and you're like, Whew. You know, in a time that, you know, women, there was so many limitations, right? So many. Katie, thank you so much for being on on our show. I love your path. I love the tips and suggestions and really opening the door to another tool in the toolbox to um, not just create financial stability, but independence. So we, you know, we, we can use what we have in front of us and, and leverage what we have. So thanks for being on the show. Excited to see you in June with your newborn. And uh, thanks again so much. Thank you. This was so much fun.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews,